1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Let's all read this together. It's either up on the screen or in your app or in your, your Bible, wherever you've got it. Let's all read this together. Ready? Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Be ye followers of me. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth and by extension to us, to the body of Christ. Because it is the Word of God, isn't it? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it, it applies to all of us, past, present, and future, right? It wasn't just for those people. So Paul is saying, be ye followers. He was, he was talking to the church at Corinth, and he gets all the way down, and, and this was a letter from Paul. It wasn't, uh, it was, Paul didn't write chapters and verses. He just wrote a letter. This is just prose, and so, you know, years later they broke it down in chapters and verses. But just in the middle of Paul's letter, Paul stops and says this to the church. If, anybody's, if anybody has any questions about what I'm saying, he's saying this. Be ye followers of me as I am also a follower. It's, it's implied there. He is also a follower of Christ. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We're going to talk about followers following the follower. Followers following the follower. Now, I know you're thinking, what a weird title, Brother Demuth. Well, I hate putting titles on stuff sometimes, but I just felt like this is what he told me to put down, so I wrote it down. And I didn't understand it. I didn't like it either, but this is what he told me to do. So this is what, this is what you get. Amen. And it's going to be from God. And so God's going to minister to somebody today through this message, this simple message titled Followers. It's, we're all followers. Right? We're following the follower. What did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. He was telling the church that. Jesus Christ wasn't around anymore. So they couldn't directly follow Jesus Christ. So they had to follow somebody. Who are you following today? So they had to follow somebody and they were following, among other people, Paul. There were many others that they were following. There were, there were tens of thousands of people in the church in that day. And they weren't in an auditorium somewhere. And they weren't in a building. They, they didn't have a building. They were being persecuted. Nobody wanted them in their building. So they were meeting in houses and in public. And that's why they had such a profound revival of souls in that day. The Bible in one place says that they were multiplied. They went from adding to the church to multiplying. And so we're going to talk about being a follower today. I don't know if this will come across as preaching, but I'm going to deliver it the way I feel like God wants me to deliver it. And I believe God's going to take care of the rest. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Aren't we His dear children? Amen. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us. We're already getting implications here of following and doing like Jesus did. That's what Paul was spent his life doing from that Damascus Road moment. He went from being a Pharisee to a follower of Jesus Christ, literally at the snap of a finger. At a moment when a bright light shined and something happened in Paul's life that changed him forever. Something happened in our life that changed us forever, Sister Vicky, Forever. And that happened to me over 30 years ago, and I still can't explain it all. But I can tell you this unequivocally, that something happened to me that changed my life. And I decided that I was going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I have followed Jesus Christ through the ministries of men like Paul Dennis and Rufus Parker and, and other men that I have set under. Just like these people were following Paul. They were, Paul couldn't be there, but he was writing them letters. He couldn't be in all those places. So they were, who were they following? The other leaders that Paul, those others that had been following Paul, that Paul had designated to be in those places. And so we're always following somebody. Aren't we? When Jesus called his disciples, in Matthew 4 and 20, it says they immediately left their nets and followed him. He simply walked up to them and said, 
these words. Follow me. In, in this case, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So it was stipulated upon they had to follow him first. And so the Bible says they willingly laid down their nets. They laid down their livelihood to become a follower of this man that they had just met. They had no idea, Brother Parker, what they were getting themselves into. But there is something about this man, Jesus Christ, that just, they, they knew the Messiah. They were all Jews. They knew that the Messiah was coming and something in them told them this is it. He is it. What else would drive you to lay down your livelihood? That would be like me just deciding today that I'm going to lay down my livelihood and everything that, that I've done up to this point. I'm going to walk into that office on Monday morning and tell them I'm done. And I'm going to live my life totally trusting God. And they would think, some people even in this room would think, I'm crazy. And they probably thought those men, those fishermen and those tax collectors and all those other ones were crazy too when they did it. But they made a decision. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be a follower today. The word follow in the complete word study Bible dictionary says it's from the idea of being an attendant, a follower, which is from the collective of, it's one uh, Greek word, akeluthos, which is two Greek words, a and kaluthos, which basically means a way together. A way together. So we're going and we're we're following in a way together. As a follower, you're you're not just taking commands and doing what you're told, but it's it's a it's a joint thing with Jesus Christ. We're joint heirs, the Bible says, with Jesus Christ. We're following him. He's leading us, but he's preparing us for something greater. It goes on to say to attend, to accompany, to go with or follow a teacher. The individual calling to to follow Jesus Christ involved abiding fellowship with him, not only for the sake of learning as a scholar from a teacher, but also for the sake of the salvation known or looked for, which presented itself in such fellowship. The first thing involved in following Jesus is a cleaving. That word cleaving is, is talking about sticking to something like glue. They make a product called liquid nails, and they say that liquid nails, if you put a dime of that down, the the size of a dime of that down on something and glue something to that, it'll hold up to like 600 foot-pounds. That's how he wants us to be, connected to him, glued to him. And it says, and I'll go back and read it again, the first thing involved in following Jesus is a cleaving to him in in a believing trust and obedience. This cleaving to him must also follow his leading and act according to his example. It's not just enough to acknowledge, yep, he's saying that, yeah, he's telling me to do that. It's just—it's not mental assent. You've got to do it. You've got to put some action behind your following. Right? You can call yourself a follower of somebody, but if you're not doing what they're doing, then then you're not really following them. You're just... You're reading about Jesus. You're reading about these things, but you're not making it a part of your life. It goes on to say, Hence, constant stress is laid by the Lord Jesus upon the need of self-denial and fellowship of the cross. Following Jesus thus denotes a fellowship of faith as well as a fellowship of life. Your life. Sharing in his sufferings, not only inwardly, but outwardly if necessary. Such outward fellowship with Jesus, however, could not continue without inner moral and spiritual fellowship, without a life resembling his and a constant daily self-denying sharing of his cross. Amen? Jesus had to bear his own cross. He told his disciples and he told us, take up your cross daily, deny yourself and follow me. So is my cross the same as your cross? You know, Paul had those 
those moments where he prayed those three times that that thorn in the flesh, that cross, that was his cross, would leave him. And Jesus told him, no, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's what our cross is for. To keep us in a place where we continually realize that we can't do this without him. That's why Jesus told us in John 15 and 5, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Does that mean you can't do anything without him? I mean, you can. You can do all kinds of things if you want to. But without him, you can't really accomplish anything of any value for the kingdom. That's what he's really saying. You can go on with your life and breathe and live and work a job and buy stuff. And you can, you can live a life, a life, but you don't have the life. You'll never have peace. You'll never have real joy. Without Him, you can do nothing. Without Him, we can do nothing. Without following Him, we can't accomplish anything for the kingdom. Amen? Every one of His disciples that He called, including us, it wasn't a command, was it? It was an invitation. In one scripture, in, in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, it says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, in one version of, of the Bible. And so he was, he was telling his disciples, come and follow me. Come and imitate me. Come and be what I would, what I had, what I, you know, Jesus being God robed in flesh, he, he already knew. And he already knows our destiny. He already knows Miriam, he knows what he's destined you to be. He knows. He's already got a plan. Do you believe that? He's not waiting to see what you're going to do and say, well, I don't know. Let's see here. <laughs> Let's see if I can fit her in somewhere. That's not how it works. He already knows what we're supposed to be doing for the kingdom. <laughs> Are we trying to find that place so we can get in where we're, where we're supposed to be? Be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what he was when he called his disciples. It was an invitation. They had a choice, and then we we already read they laid down their nets, and they willingly laid down their livelihood to follow him. He constantly told his people, the people that he spoke to and the scribes and the Pharisees and his disciples, his followers, that everything he was saying was from instructions that his father was giving him. And if you go through the New Testament, you'll find that every time that he was questioned about what he was saying and what he was doing, in, in most of those cases, his answer was, this is not me. I'm just doing what my Father in Heaven's telling me to do. I'm saying what my Father in Heaven's telling me to say. So Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the God of all glory, robed in flesh, was had to be a follower. So he understood the idea and the concept of following in someone else's footsteps. He did not he wasn't dictating his life, was he? His life was not his own. Our life is not our own. We are bought with a price, the Bible says. If you're bought, isn't that slavery? If you've been purchased by his blood, we're his servants, we're his slaves, we're his children, we're his sons. We're at his beck and call. Whatever it is I can do for you, God. So we are not our own. We are bought with a price. Matthew 12 and 50 says, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, or whoever will follow the will of my Father which is in heaven. Does he have a will for our life? Does he have a will for your life? Are we trying to find out what that is? Or are we just guessing? How do you find out? 
You ask him exactly. He's, he's our heavenly Father. He's not gonna. He's not sitting up on some high and mighty throne somewhere and looking down. And he's not talking to us like that. Like that. Like Jesus was talking to that woman who who was a, a Gentile that came to him and said, "Hey, you know, I need you to help me here." And he said, "You know," he basically called her a dog. And what was her answer? Yeah, but the dogs eat from the scraps that fall off the master's table, right? We're important to him. He listens. If you were really sincerely want to know, he'll tell you. <laughs> the problem is sometimes we we look at those scriptures of those disciples and all that they went through. You know, they left their nets and look at all the the stuff they went through, the persecution and the beatings and the and all the stuff being stoned and all those things. We 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 imagine that stuff and we think, oh, if I do this, <laughs> I'm going to go through. But if he saved you, don't you think he he knows that you're going to go through stuff? And he'll, you know, Paul survived being stoned. They left him for dead, <laughs> but he lived to preach another day. It doesn't say that he didn't have scars and, and some broken bones that needed to heal, but maybe God healed him. I don't know. It doesn't say, but the, what I read is he got up and he kept going. <laughs> he picked himself up off the ground and God said, I'm not done with you yet. Sorry, you had to get beaten. <laughs> but what did Paul say? He said, none of this stuff moves me. Neither count I my life dear to myself. That's the kind of attitude we need to approach God if we really want to know what His will is. What is it I need to do to follow you? What? John 5 and 30 says, I can of mine own self do nothing. Jesus speaking. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Reference. Go, go read John 15, specifically verse 5. We already quoted it. So Jesus Christ himself, who we equate as the, the great leader and, and the, the one that, that launched the church, he told the disciples, he said, I will build my church. So it's his church, his body. It wasn't just a lecture that he was giving them. He was living out being a follower before the ones that he asked to follow him, if you think about it. He was following his father's will. He had no say-so. Imagine knowing that you're going to have to be nailed to a cross. You're going to have to be beaten. He was God robed in flesh, wasn't he? And so he knew. He had to know. That he was going to be beaten. That he was going to be have his back ripped open like a plowed field. He knew that he was going to have his beard ripped out. And a crown of thorns. He knew that. And he prayed that prayer. Nevertheless, not as I will. Not, not, not what I want. Not what pleases me. I'm following you, Father, and this is your will. This is your plan. And I'm going to do it even if I don't want to. Not my will. Isn't that, our, isn't that most of our problem? Our will? <laughs> and I've said this here before. He gave us a free will. And that will can be a curse. And it can be a blessing because your will, He will not violate. So if you make a decision, I'm not serving God. Or if you've chosen to serve God and you do like Demas and you say, I'm not serving God anymore. He's going to let you make that decision. He's not going to send you to your room until you get your mind right. <laughs> he might try to keep you. He might send some, some circumstances your way to try to kind of get you back in the, in the right path. But ultimately, God's going to let you choose to follow him or not. Amen? So what exactly is a disciple? You know, we talk about these disciples, these 12 that Jesus called and these followers. What, we're talking about followers. And, and so what is a disciple? You know, there, there were disciples. Anybody ever heard of Hare Krishna? 
Some of you might be too young to know who that was. These these guys used to hang out in airports and wear little white and orange gowns and hand out little packs of screwdrivers and try to get you to donate a dollar. And they were following this guy called Hare Krishna. It was a sort of a religious movement. And, and anyway, so... But they had followers. They were called the disciples of Hare Krishna. And there's there's disciples of a guy called Anton LaVey. Anybody know who that is? He he was the guy that started the Church of Satan in California. Right. Not the Hotel California. <laughs> but there are disciples of that following that are following that belief to this day. And they are considered disciples of that. So Disciples is not, I mean, there were just, there were young men that would, that would attach themselves to a rabbi in the New Testament and the Old Testament and they would follow him around and learn from him just like sumo wrestlers have little young guys that want to be a sumo wrestler and so they will become their, their protege. They will become their understudy and they will live in the house. They'll serve the sumo wrestler and, and they'll learn the ways of the sumo. And they're just considered disciples of that. So what is a disciple? What is a disciple? The complete word study Bible says that a disciple is, is one that, that is to learn, to understand, a learner, a pupil. It means more than in the New Testament than a mere pupil or learner. It is an adherent, adherent who accepts the instruction given to him and makes it his rule of conduct or her rule of conduct. The New Oxford American Dictionary says it's a personal follower of Jesus during his life, especially one of the twelve apostles. A follower or a student or of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. The Oxford American Writer's Thesaurus says that it is, uh, a disciple is an apostle or a follower. It is an adherent, a believer, an admirer, a devotee, an acolyte, a pupil, a student, a protege, a learner, an upholder, a supporter, an advocate, a proponent, and an apologist. So when you're a follower, they, there's people today that are called Trump followers. And they are some hated people. Okay? Everybody agree with that? that that's just a mild form of what, what we're supposed to be feeling as believers in Jesus Christ. Because he said, if we were going to follow him, they'd be hated of all men for my name's sake. They hate Christians right now. Okay? I know this is going over the internet, but it's true. It's all over the internet. I'm not the first one to say it. Those people in one of those big cities out west was burning Bibles the other day. And it's all about some other thing that they say they're about, but they're doing other stuff. Like burning Bibles. So it's not going to be long, in my opinion, for we're going to start seeing that come, come to fruition, come right in our front door almost. Literally. So, what are we going to do? Are we going to are we that devoted? A devotee. We just, we just read that word. A devotee. What is a devotee? That the root word is devoted. Devote. You're 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 devoted. Like I'm devoted, and I made a vow to be devoted to my wife for life. I'm in it for life. Till death do us part, right? Are, are we in that same mentality and mode and mindset when it comes to our, our walk with God? Are we going to follow him up to a point like Demas did and say, I don't know. It's getting a little tight, getting a little rough here. I think I'm going to look for the exit. Right? We've got to ask ourselves these questions. This is not something to answer here. It's something you've got to get with God about. So... Simply a disciple is a follower, right? And every one of us is one of those. We are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we are a follower. And, you know, the Bible says that we are to go and to make disciples of, of other men. So you gotta be a, you gotta be a follower before you can be a leader, right? Even Aristotle said this. He who cannot be a good follower cannot be a good leader. Everybody knows who Aristotle was, right? Great philosopher, right? And this other guy's name's Aaron Weber. He's a CEO of Weber Investments. You probably never heard of it. 
But he had this quote. I thought it was pretty awesome in this, in light of this subject. And he says this, in order to be a good leader, you must first and simultaneously be a follower. You're still a follower while you're a leader. Is that right? Because you're, you're not leading by yourself. There's somebody, somebody had to teach you and you had to be a follower of somebody else for you to be a leader. And if you're still, if it's, that's a mentor type person, you're still, there's always got to be somebody in your life that can tell you no. No, you can't do that. No, you can't say, no, you can't go there. You've got to have somebody in your life like that. Anyway, he goes on to say, and simultaneously be a good follower. Usually you're both at the same time. You're following your leader while you're, while you lead those who follow you. How you demonstrate your followership has a huge impact on on your leadership of others and those who choose to follow you. How are you following? Those that you're leading are watching to see how you're following. Right? Because I can talk about leadership and I can quote stuff out of John Maxwell's books till I'm blue in the face and all these other authors that have written on leadership. But if I'm not living that, the people that are listening to me are just me going, yeah, whatever. Right? Because they're, they're going to look at my life and they're going to say my life doesn't match up with what I'm saying. I think Jesus' life matched up with what he was saying. I believe Paul's life matched up with what he was teaching and saying. And I believe that's why Paul said, and you know these letters, they didn't just go to the church at Corinth. They read that at the church at Corinth. Because see, most of those people were not illiterate. So they couldn't read. And so somebody had to read that letter. And when they were all done and that letter went to all those house churches in Corinth, then it went on its merry way to Philippi and all these other churches. And so this word made its way around. And so Paul was encouraging the church, be ye followers of me as I am also of Christ. I'm trying to follow Jesus Christ, the guy that I met on the road that I couldn't see. I'm trying to follow him. I knew about him when I was a Pharisee. I just didn't think I needed to follow him. But some, there came a day in our life, just like in Paul's, when God came to us and he drew us by his mercy and grace. We came to an altar, whether literally or figuratively. I, we had a, a Marine in Okinawa that got the Holy Ghost in his room, in his bed. So that was his altar. Somebody told him in the church, you can get the Holy Ghost in your room by yourself. You don't have to be here at the church. And he believed it. <laughs> and prayed himself through the Holy Ghost. So, we don't have to be in a church building, but we, he made a decision. I'm, I want this. And he went and did what he had to do. And he became a follower. He became a devout follower. To this day, as far as I know, he's still in church. Because he made a decision. He had to follow somebody, and now there's people following him. But he's still got to walk this walk. He's still got to do like Paul said, and follow Jesus Christ. We still got to read this book. We still got to seek to know a deeper level of, of understanding the example that Jesus Christ was. So how do you do that? You study Paul. Why? Because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So Paul was doing everything in his power to follow Jesus Christ. So he, he's a great example. If you want to find out how to follow Jesus Christ, just follow Paul. Moses spent 40 years in the desert learning how to follow. He was designated at his birth to be, be what? I'm going to let you all participate. What was he designated at his birth to be? Moses. Anybody? The deliverer of the people of Israel. He didn't get to be just like King David. He was, he was anointed to be king. It was 20 years before he got to be king. Why? Because he had to learn some stuff. He had to go through some stuff. He had to go through a training program. He had to follow somebody else. Joseph had to work, get some things worked out of him sitting in that dungeon. He had, to, he had to learn to be a follower before he could ever be a leader of the second in command of Egypt. God had to work some things out of him. 
some attitudes and some... We don't have that problem, do we? Nobody's answering. (laughs) Oh, that means we must. Because why? Because we're... What is this? Flesh. (laughs) He left it with us. Why, God? (laughs) Can't you just take it all away? Calgon, take me away, right? (laughs) It don't work like that. He left us with this flesh to deal with. To know that we need Him. I need Him. I need, we sing that song, I need Thee every hour. (laughs) I need Him every minute. I don't know about you. I do. Every hour of every day. Moses had to learn how to submit. All these men that I've, these people that I've mentioned, even, even the women in the Bible, they had to learn how to submit. They had to learn how to follow. They had to learn how to listen to the voice of God. Are we doing that? Are we trying to hear the voice of God? He's talking to us all the time. But are we allowing other things in our life to cloud out and crowd out what God's trying to tell us to do? And I, I say this of myself. Right? I, I know i got to go to work and think about work. And I can't just sit around thinking about God all the time. I would if I could. i got a brand new Bible app on my computer that I paid a lot of money for. And it's got a lot of cool stuff, but I haven't even been able to sit down and play with it yet. It's got a lot of good study tools and things, and I want to. And it's got videos on how to do it, and I've watched them, but I haven't been able to because I was. But God knows that; He knows my heart. He knows, and there's a day coming. Maybe if the Lord wills that I'll get to do that. But at least I have a desire. At least I'm moving in that direction. At least I'm working like. Like I heard one, I think Brother Stone King said, or somebody said, if if you feel called as a missionary at 13, just because God doesn't open the door yet, you just start acting like a missionary. At 13, you just keep doing stuff that until God opens the door. Don't just sit there. Followers don't just sit there. Every time Elijah got up to move, he said, it's okay, Elisha, just stay here. I'll see you later. And Elijah said, "No, hold on a minute. Let me burn these. Let me burn this this stuff down. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not leaving your side." And Elijah kept trying to get him to just sit down and just relax and don't worry about it. And I'll find somebody else to follow me. And Elisha said, "No, I'll follow you to the end." What happened to Elisha? Elijah asked him a question. What do you want when the Lord takes me out of here? He wants a double portion. And did he get it? He sure did. Amen. He was a faithful follower. David, the great king that he was, when it came to that situation in Ziklag, he didn't feel like a king. He felt worthless almost. He'd lost everything, lost his family, lost his city. Everything was burned to the ground. And the guys that were supposed to be his, his avid followers, his, his mighty man wanted to do what? They wanted to just, yeah, take him out. What did he do? He went and got the ephod and he said, okay, God, I'm coming back to the root of this. You're the one that called me. You're the one that spoke to me. You're the one that allowed me to kill the bear and the lion. Now I need you right now. I'm still following you, God. You tell me what to do. And God did. He did. He didn't sit there wallowing in his own tears and everything else. He got up. He, he said, all right, hold on a minute. He, he, went to, he, he got a hold of God. Daniel. Daniel. Think about Daniel. He, he became a prophet when they were getting taken into bondage for 70 years. And he had to live through that. And so did Jeremiah. And he had to trust. It's about trusting God. Following Him is about trusting Him when you can't see. When He's got you right at the precipice and He's saying, okay, take another step. They're lowering Daniel into the lion's den. And He's got to be saying, 
I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. He's hearing all that. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. You've never let me down before, God. Don't start now. Right? Because God won't give you light for any more than the next step most of the time. Right? We we want to know all the details way out front so we can punch it into our GPS and find out every turn by turn so we can get there. So we... We know, we want to know when the tornado's coming. <laughs> we want an early warning system so we don't have to go through anything. But God's only going to give you one step. Like I heard Sister, Sister Miller, missionary to wherever she was at, France, I think, at one time. God took her and showed her in a vision, said he walked her up to the edge of a cliff and there was just nothing but fog. She couldn't see anything and he said, step out. And she said in the vision, I said, she said, I can't see anything. He said, I don't care. Step out. And she said she stepped out and God showed her there was something there. She thought she was going down. But God had something there for her. But she had to trust him and step out. And we got to trust God. Because if we, if we don't think God knows what he's doing now, we're in bigger trouble. Right? So Daniel had to trust him. The same God that had led him, the same God he prayed to all those times, the same God that was keeping him through all that bondage was the same God that delivered him out of the hand of the lion, right? Out of the mouth of the lion. And what happened after that? Because Daniel was faithful and trusted God, God, after that moment, turned everything around in that city because now that leader of that city trusted in God more than anything else. And so Daniel's one act of trusting God, even if it meant dying, changed changed a city. So our one act of faithfulness to God, our one act in following Him, not understanding, not knowing all the details, might make the difference between a city being one and a city not being one, or, or a co-worker at work being one and one not being one. we got to trust Him. Before the twelve could lead the church... What did they have to do first? They had to follow. They had to follow Jesus Christ. He spent, think about this for a minute. These were the guys that were going to be the ones that were going to launch his body, his church, in the New Testament. And he spent three and a half years teaching them. Not by sitting and lecturing to them, but by example. He led them by example. He listened to his father. He did what his father told him to do. And when they questioned it, he said, don't worry. This is what my father's telling me to do. Just watch. And do you think they felt ready when he went to that cross and died and rose again? Do you think they felt ready? They didn't. When I went to work at the VA, they, the guy that was ahead of me suddenly retired. And suddenly upon my shoulders was heaped a half a million dollars worth of telephone equipment, and I was the guy. Take care of all that. And I didn't think, I still don't feel like I'm ready. But I got a, I got a boss that keeps telling me, it's all right, you got this. Don't worry about it. Does he know I don't got it in some, yeah, of course he does. But he's, he's not about to let me know that. He knows that I will get it. And God knows that. He he will ask us to do impossible things, won't he? He will ask us to do impossible things, and we will say the words out loud. God, don't you know that's impossible? We will. And we know what the Bible says. With him, all things are possible. And we'll still say that. God, that's not possible. How can you ask me to do that? That's why he's asking us to do it. Sister Linda, because he knows without him, it is impossible. That's why he wants us to be a follower of him and trust him. This scripture was already quoted this morning, but I'm going to read it. I'm kind of drawn to a close soon, maybe. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. It's not about our reputation, is it? Not about who we are. 
and took upon him the form of a servant. That's what it's about, right? It's being a servant. And was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He became obedient. A follower is obedient. Willing, unequivocal obedience. Yes, Lord. Where do you want me to go? What what do you want me to say? How do you want me to do it? Yes, Lord, I, I don't understand it, but this is what you told me to do, so I'm going to go do it. You want me to go what country? You want me to move to Wisconsin? Are you kidding me? Now, I have to admit, there was times I thought that. But I know what he said to me. That doesn't mean I can't question it. That's, I just know what he said, and I just said, okay, I, I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it. And I did it. And God is is honoring it. He's going to continue to honor it. And and until he, like Mark Morgan said one time, and if whatever the last thing God told you to do, if he told you to stand still, you better be standing still. Until the next thing he tells you to do. If he hasn't told you to move yet, don't move. Can you imagine that? Like living a life where you don't do anything without God telling I mean, I'm not talking about like eating your dinner. and But I'm talking about important stuff. Important stuff that, that has to do with the kingdom. How do you know if God's not going to call you to some other city, some other country right now in your life? You don't. But I need to be prepared for when he does to say, yes, Lord, you know what's best. You already know my destiny, like I talked about earlier. You already know what I'm capable of as your follower. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have also obeyed, not in as, not as in my presence only, but, all, but much, not much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of what? His, not your good pleasure? Not, 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 not what I want to do? I don't have get to have a say at all. It's only according to his good pleasure. That word to work out, it means to bring about, to accomplish, to carry out a task until it's finished. Work out your own salvation. What's the task that we're supposed to carry out? What, what does it mean to work out your own salvation? Does that mean to go to the gym? No. It's personal, isn't it? Our salvation is personal. I can't save me, Brother Wayne. And I can't save you either. And you can't save Vicky And Richard, you can't save your wife. And we can't save each other. Only Jesus can save us. And we have to make the decision to be a follower and to say, I want that. And it's a lifelong, ongoing process. Like like it's already been alluded to. Uh, Well, I'm saved. I'm good. (laughs) Just where's my seat on the bus? When's Jesus coming? I'm just going to be in my seat till Jesus comes. Don't, Don't take my seat on the bus. That's not how it works. It's a lifelong thing. Remember I talked about this flesh we got? It's a lifelong thing. It's a process of becoming and being a disciple. We're always that one, that guy, Mr. Weber, that quoted, you're always being a follower while you're being a leader. You're simultaneously doing both. I mean, I've had people say to me, and I, y'all, y'all are going to laugh, that I, they think I'm a Bible scholar. Go ahead and laugh. And, and I look at myself like, yeah, right. Me, a Bible scholar? Are you kidding? But from their standpoint, and in their eyes, and in their understanding, they think I am because I can, because I know more than they do, and that therefore makes me a scholar. Well, I don't want to diminish that, but but God can use that. For me to help me to use that to win somebody, to draw somebody, like you were saying. 
What does the book say? Let's go look at it. What do you think it says? And maybe they don't understand it. Maybe I can bring understanding because where did I get my understanding? Where? Ultimately from God. He uses men like this and other men to teach and to minister and and bring understanding and bring revelation. And it's not revelation that I'm just supposed to heap to myself and keep it. Making disciples of men, making followers of us, recreating ourselves. Brother Stone King said his goal in life is to recreate himself and as many young men as he possibly can. He wants to put in them whatever God put in him so that when he's gone, that what he, what God used him for can be perpetuated over and over again. And that's what it's all about. Followers following follower, following the follower. Jesus was a follower of his father. Philippians, or, um, yeah, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God that worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That worketh in there is, is being, it's, it talks about the word, it's the word energeo, energy. It's a verb. What's a verb? Jesse, Jesse, what's a verb? Action word, right? It, it means something's going on, right? A noun is not an action verb. It's just water bottle, pulpit. No action there, right? Just inanimate object. But this is an action word. That worketh means operative, active, to be work, to be at work, to be effective. Operative. So what is, what is it that it's operative in us? 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also uh, thank we God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as in, the truth of, as in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Paul talking to the church at Philippi, he said, him and Timothy wrote, said, I've been praying for you, I've been lifting you up, and, and, and I just want you to know that I want, that I'm, that I'm, as I'm praying for you and as I'm lifting you up and believing in what you're doing in Philippi, he says this, being confident of this very thing. And this is a scripture that God gave me when I was questioning my calling before I ever really truly answered my calling. I questioned my calling, and God gave me this scripture. Almost 30 years ago. Being confident of this very thing that he, God, not some man, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it. Not might perform it. Not could perform it. Not as thinking about performing it. But he will perform it until when? The day of Jesus Christ. What's the day of Jesus Christ? That's that day. Right? He's going to work in me. Until the day of Jesus Christ. He called me, not just as a licensed minister, but he called me as one of his followers, as one of his disciples, and he is equipping me, he's equipping you to do whatever it is he's called you to do. He's, he's equipping his followers. He equipped those disciples to lead the church. Right? So he's equipping us. And you know the ultimate lesson that Jesus taught as a follower teaching his followers to be leaders. The ultimate lesson that he taught was the one when he prayed that prayer right before he went to the cross. Not my will, but your will be done. And then he took that step. He didn't just pray that prayer, but he went to the cross. He taught that lesson. Are we willing to pray that prayer and go to that cross if need be? Because really, it's not about me. It's, if God wants to use me, it's really not about me. And it's hard to think like that. It's hard to realize that you've got to give up complete control. Because we don't want to give up complete control, do we? We like being in control. You don't have to raise your hand or say amen, but I'm telling you, we like being in control. We're human. We're flesh. We don't want to be not in control. Right? 
But a follower is somebody that's just really, even even if God chooses you and you choose to follow him and then he sends you to lead people, you're still not in control because he's still leading you to say and do what he wants you to say and do. So you're really, really not in control. Why does that scripture say that we are hid with Christ in God? What does that mean? You ever think about that? And I am coming to a close if you want to get that song ready. That word, that scripture, I thought about that. Hid with Christ and God. What does that mean? And I kind of focus on the word hid. We are hid. It's like we're hid behind him. Like this is Christ and this is me. So if I'm hid with Christ, I'm hid. So they're not seeing me. They're not seeing who I am and what I am. They're seeing Jesus Christ in me. So if I'm hid with him, I don't have to worry about who I am, do I? I just have to worry about who he is. And he is operating through what? What did we receive when we were baptized in Jesus' name? We received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right? It wasn't just something cool that we could stick in our pocket and say, I got the Holy Ghost now. It was something powerful, wasn't it? Anybody in here would say that the Holy Ghost wasn't the most powerful thing that ever happened in your life? He gave us power. What does Acts 1 and 8 say? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. To what? Be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So that's what that operative thing is in us. It's not us. We're just the followers. We're just doing what He told us to do. If He tells you to go lay hands on somebody, go do it. If it's in the middle of Walmart, go do it. What if God wants to heal them right there in front of God and everybody? What a testimony. (laughs) You don't have to even preach at that point. They just all watch somebody be healed right in front of their own eyes. How do they explain that? You just say, well, that's the Holy Ghost. Would you like me to tell you about it? I mean, you just got a free open door right there. But you have to be willing to be faithful and do those things that aren't comfortable. My wife did her little thing for the ladies about getting out of your comfort zone. That's what what it's all about, really. Those disciples of Jesus Christ had to leave their nets. That was their comfort zone. That was the tax collector. That was his comfort zone. Luke, that was his comfort zone being a doctor. Paul, it was in a comfort zone. Being a Pharisee, he'd been raised that way. He didn't know anything different. And God totally, totally took him out of his comfort zone and said, you're going to follow me now, son. And he did. If you want to, if I, if I can use this word religiously, he did. He did. Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23, and you can start playing that song. He said, if any man will come after me, any man. What is any man? Is that all males? That's, that's all humans, right? You can turn it up. If any man will come after me, <clears throat> let him deny himself. It's voluntary. He's not going to make you deny yourself. You've got to do it yourself. Take up your cross. It, whatever your cross is, whatever cross he's given you, you take it up and you, you go with it. Daily, every day, and follow me. Let's just let's just let this song play and think about what what the Lord has had me to say today and what this word of God has said today and think about your life and think about where you are in God and and think about where you feel like you need to be. If you're not where you need to be, then then there's no reason that you can't get there. We just got to put our trust in him today. What are you doing? Jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. What are we doing for the King today? What are we doing for Jesus? It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about His kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank You, Father. We thank You, Father. 
for this word today, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for ministering to every heart, every soul, every mind, every individual in this place, God, in the name of Jesus. I've just been your vessel, your conduit, Lord Jesus, to be used for your glory and for your kingdom. Take up your cross. Oh, hallelujah. And follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Every day, take up your cross every day. God wants to use us for great things in this city. He wants to use us for great things in our neighborhood. He wants to use us for great things. We're coming to the very end of time right now in in the time that we're living in. And God is wanting to use His people for great things. we got to count the cost. Jesus, Jesus, take up your cross. Follow Him today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Jesus, take up your cross. Every day, don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Count the cost. Is it worth the cost today? It's worth it. It's worth everything that you have to go through for the kingdom. Paul didn't count his life as dear unto himself. If we could just take that attitude that Paul took in the name of Jesus. He counted those things that he had that he thought were important as dung, the Bible says. Hallelujah. I know we've got families, I know we've got jobs, I know we've got things that would that we're responsible for and in life and and all those things. But what are we willing to do? What are we willing to sacrifice beyond that? God knows where we are. He's given us the, the responsibility of a family. He's given us the responsibility of a job. He knows what our human limitations are. But He can use us exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. The Bible says, according to the power of the Holy Ghost that works in us. That's why He gave us the Holy Ghost. To give us power. To be witnesses unto Him. All over this world. We've got this internet. Amen. You can pray somebody through over the phone. You can teach a Bible study on the internet over the phone. God's given us all kinds of tools and opportunities. Hallelujah, Jesus. Count the cost. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you for your people today. Thank you for your people today. Thank you for the cross today. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for hiding us behind you, Father. Thank you for hiding us, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, for covering us with your blood, for keeping us, Father. For calling us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, not just to save us, but to make us available for your kingdom. Lord, we make ourselves available to you, God. Help us to seek to know your will, to seek to hear your voice, O oh God, that's already speaking to us, Father. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Just simply follow him, O oh God. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We honor you. We bless you, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you, Jesus. We thank you for your will, your plan, and your purpose. We thank you, God, for all that you do and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do, Lord, and all that you've already done, Father. You you have done great things in our life, but the, the end is not yet, Father. You've got so much more in store for us. Father, help us, O God, in the name of Jesus, to be open and be willing, O God, to be your servants, to be, O God, whatever it is that you'd have us to be in this life, hallelujah, to be obedient to it. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for each one in this place today and everyone that's listened on the Internet. Father, I pray that something that I've said that you have allowed me to say has been a blessing, has been has caused some to think, oh God, and to consider and to look at their life, oh God. I thank you for allowing me to hear this first, God, to to cause me to look at my own life, Father. And I thank you for each one in this place. As we go from this place, that you administer mightily to your people, Lord Jesus. Send us out as laborers into the field. 
to be a light and a witness to a lost world that's looking for something that's real. Lord, we've got what's real. Father, let us have opportunity to share what's real with those that are lost, those that are undone, those that have no hope. Help us to give them hope today as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. You're dismissed. Amen. Make sure you social distance. If you want a fellowship, go outside, and then uh, the rest of us that are going to remain are going to kind of clean up, and we'll see you all on Wednesday. Lord willing, in the creek don't rise, right? Amen.